On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, this is Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. This is Nicholas Ryan Mooney. (laughs) And uh, this is Grindhouse Girls Podcast. GTP, what's up, guys? Season 3, episode 1. Happy New Year! Welcome to 2022, everybody. Yeah. Yes. Like Taylor Swift told us, I'm feeling 2022. Is that what she said? She said 22, (laughs) but people have edited it on TikTok. So, um, oh, you TikTokers. TikTokers, TikTok about it. Um, so, we are so happy because our new editor, Nicholas Ryan Moody, or NR Moody, or the Moody Muse, is here, um, because we're gonna watch The Thing, and we're about to live stream it with all of you. Yes, and we are so excited because I love this movie, Katie, I think you love this movie. I love this movie. And we're hoping Ryan loves this movie as well. I do. Yes. Oh, I know I'm going to. I ho- you better, because like the everyone's expectations are like, it's going to blow his mind. And I'm like, I hope so. Um, but this is a fantastic movie by John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Almost said Jonathan Carpenter for some reason. <laughs> um, and it was released in 1982. Yes. But... Fun fact, so it was released, not the year I was born, but the week I was born, and it takes place the week you were born. Yes! So it, it takes place in December, but it was released in June for mm-hmm. some reason. I just realized that recently, too. I was watching an interview with him, and it was, like, June for Letterman, and I was like, why, why would you release this movie in June? Um, so this movie was actually a critical and commercial failure, um, and it was John Carpenter's very first, like, big movie, because he had done Halloween on a budget of about... $300,000 and it made $70 million. And so people were like, let's take a chance on this Carpenter kid. And while the production went pretty okay, although he didn't have as much control as he wanted to, uh, it was also the same year that E.T. was released yeah. by Universal oh, Studios, no. who also released this movie and paid for him to do this. And it was a bit of a passion project for him because he loved the movie and novella, The Thing from Another World which is what this is based mm-hmm. on. And the movie, the old 50s movie, is actually in Halloween in the background when they're carving pumpkins on the TV when the little kids are watching it. So he did this movie. It was kind of a passion project. It was kind of like a really cool thing. He couldn't wait to remake one of his favorite films. And then it bombed because everyone went E.T. aliens, not the thing aliens. But this is what's fascinating. So because of the failure of this movie, he was actually supposed to do Stephen King's Firestarter. <gasps> and he got fired from the project and then um Lancaster um Bill Lancaster who's Burt Lancaster's son who wrote this screenplay Mm -hmm. he actually wrote a screenplay for Firestar he also got kicked off the project because of this movie failing funny enough this movie is now the cult and like acclaimed classic and hardly anyone remembers Firestarter right except that Drew Barrymore's in it yes yes and I mean this movie now is super super popular everyone loves it the creature effects are amazing um that we actually have the creature effects artist to thank for how cool they look and what the thing looks like because john carpenter had no idea what to make it look like he was thinking of the less is more you never see the monster old trope but then the designer was like well this thing has been traveling to many worlds before we meet it so it can look like anything or many things yeah and so once you see the movie ryan 
you will see how cool the creature effects are. And that's really, for me, the coolest part of the movie, but also the scariest part because there's some genuinely scary things. Reanimator definitely like borrowed a lot of inspiration from this film and yeah. the, the special effects, although Reanimator is much more of a comedy. This is still pretty funny, though, because Kurt Russell is the lead. Yeah. And he's a pretty funny guy. It also has Keith David before he was a Disney villain. It's his first movie. Before he was um, Goliath on Gargoyles. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. I yeah. forgot he was on Gargoyles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Gargoyles, it is, like, peak Disney cartoon. He has a voice like Honey. Oh, he does. Yes. And he doesn't sound... As Keith Davidy in this movie because it's his young he's very young. He's only like twenty five. It was his first movie yeah. he ever did. He said his I just listened to an interview from him like an hour ago and he was like you know my agent kept trying to get me on and trying to get me a movie. He's like I'm gonna get you a movie. I'm gonna get you a movie. And somebody else ended up doing a different movie and he's like I'm pretty sure that's why I got cast. But still. I don't care. I was super excited to do this. And you'll see why his character is very important. Mm -hmm. um, you will. Um, Ryan, before we um, go watch the movie, do you want to give a little intro about yourself? Like, sure. a little, little bio so everyone can meet you? Because we've talked about you. And we're gonna, we call him Ryan because we always called him Ryan in college because that's where we met. But professionally, he goes by like his full name because he's an artiste. It's all my name. So, like, yeah, I definitely have lots of friends um, who still call me Ryan. I've got new friends who call me Nicholas. i got my family who has no idea what to call me. <laughs> and so, you know, we just go around. Any of the three names is fine. Um, yeah, so I met uh, Katie and Britt in college. And yes. um, we were theater. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> God, it's so long ago now. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Ryan going around the theater me. crowd. Yes. In a really cool show that Lydia, who came on, who was our first guest ever, wrote. Yes. Which, I don't know if we kept that on the edit, but it was a really cool show. And you were my college night leader, my sophomore year, so, because yes. we're purples. So, Katie's a gold, but we don't hold it against her if you know anything about Montevallo. She's the state. best gold ever. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> GD bitches. Sorry, Melvin. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so uh, we had met there, continue our friendship. Um, lately, I've been doing a mix of art stuff. I also work um, at an escape room, so I've been working with uh, doing working on puzzles and um, different stuff like that. Uh, I was in Atlanta for a bit, and that's kind of what introduced me to the thing because I was part of a practical effects group. Um, I've always kind of been into props and set and we need to make some practical effects i would love to make some We're practical effects to do that um because practical effects is where it's at um sorry cgi can never hold up i want to say I, I i hate that you didn't start editing before we did psycho gorman because that whole movie yeah. is practical effects and steven kaskansky the director and creator of it is one of the leading special effects artists in the movie industry right now he does the boys Oh. Yeah. Okay. He does the boys and oh, there's another TV show and I can't remember what it is, but he actively does that. But he did Psycho Gorman with his friends and it's like Power Rangers on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> and also, <laughs> hey Steve, yeah. if you're, Steven, if you're listening, because you actually still like our Instagram posts. We like nice. you. Yes. We love Psycho Gorman. It was yeah. fun. But yes, practical effects is why you're probably going to love this movie. So that, that that's really... All the background I have as far as uh, the thing goes, besides knowing that, like, anytime I mention it, people always, like, 
I wish I could delete it from my brain so I could rewatch yes. it for the first time. Yes. Yes. Although I will say, I thought it, the beginning was rather slow the first time I watched it, but the second time I watched it, I was so excited about what was going to happen. For me, I actually thought it improved upon it. But as things get further into the movie, the mystery is more important. But also it's John Carpenter. He leaves a lot of things up to chance and ambiguity because he wants it to be like that. He wants you to keep thinking. So it's kind of interesting every time you watch it, you can have a different theory. That is true. That is true. You can take a lot from it. Now, I will say I've always liked the beginning, but there's a dog right from the start. So, of course, I was yeah. like, puppy! Like, yeah. so. <laughs> there are no dogs harmed in this film. Yes, I will go into that afterwards, too. You can tell one of them is a puppet. Yes. The, the But there is a Jed, I think. Was yes, the Jed the wolf dog. Jed the wolf dog. Yes. Um, and John Carpenter says it's one of his best actors he's ever worked with. That dog is a great actor. He like had to go down a hallway, look left, look right, look left again, and go into a room. And he said that dog did it 60 times and never got it wrong. Yeah. He's like literally the best uh, dog ever. Um, best actor. And we've got Gizmo here in a sweater just to like have the ambiance of it. Are you a wolf dog, Gizmo? No, he's say not. I'm 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 descended from Wolf Dog's mother. Yes, so very long one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so I guess with that, we're gonna start watching the movie, and yeah. we'll um, be back, everybody, um, in three, two, one. We'll see you soon. And we're back. We're back. Yes. Yay. We just watched the thing. Yeah. Ryan, so tell us what you're thinking. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Just so many questions. A lot of them are when. Yeah. So, like, when did somebody get infected? I still can't piece who might have been the first person. Oh, I, I, mm-hmm. it's definitely your Norris or Palmer. Yes. Spoilers, by the way. Yeah, We're sorry. Spoilers. Woo, sorry, sorry. Three, two, one, spoilers. We just got done three, watching two, the thing. Three, two, one, spoilers. Yes. Yeah, so as, as you guys may or may not know, there's like 12 members and yeah, it doesn't look good for most of them during the course of the movie. Mm-mm. But that's the big thing about when you see the dog walking down the hall and there's the shadow on the wall. It looks the most like Norris, but then it could have... Just when you line up the sequence of the film, it's definitely or Norris, Nor- Norris or Palmer was uh, patient yeah. zero. So, so yeah. But they purposefully used a non-cast member to cast to be a that shadow. shadow, so mm-hmm. you couldn't really figure it out. Yeah. Um, which I like. I like the ambiguity of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, other questions. How was all the digging done with? <laughs> <laughs> Diabetes. It's it's a it's a little known power of diabetes that you can actually tunnel your way out of an ice storm. Yes. Now you can't feel your feet. Exactly. Now the second the second answer to that. No, that's a good answer. It's a good answer. The second answer to that is because we know the thing has been across the universe absorbing other entities. He may mm-hmm. have been able to absorb it, or it may have been able to absorb an entity that was good at digging. Maybe he got, like, digger paws. Like, remember he just had the really big hands when it yeah. was... Yeah, it was Benning's. Benning's. Yeah. So, like, maybe he just got big old digger hands, like a mole. Yeah. Um... Also, Wilford Brimley, when he finally does, like, pop out, yeah, he is, like, terrifying. He's like, hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> diabetes. I, I knew that was coming, and I still jumped, like, every yeah. time. I'm like, why? It's great. Oh, so. such a good movie. I, go, I don't think we're going to go through the plot like we usually do, because this yeah. is just a kind of discussion. But we can 
Should we go through the cast then, since we're not going to go as detailed? Yeah. You can watch us watch the movie on that's Instagram. That's true, that's true, that's true. So yeah, we can go through the cast. Um, I did want to give a quick mention, um, and we did a lot of fun facts for the movies, guys, mm-hmm. so if you go back and watch the archive of us watching the movie, there's a lot of fun facts sprinkled throughout the movie. Yes. But the score is by Ennio uh, Morricone, mm-hmm. and I wanted to mention that because Morricone is a phenomenal composer. Um, he was inspired by traditional Carpenter scores, and incidentally, this was nominated for a Razzie for worst score. <laughs> However, parts of the score were later used for um, Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, which won Best Original Score. Both Beautiful. films are set in snowy landscape. Morricone, I don't know if you guys have known fun fact, has composed over 400 scores for cinema and television. Wow. Um, some of his movies include Untouchable, Cinema mm-hmm. Paradiso, Terra Malick's Days of Heaven... Um, Once Upon a Time in the West, A Fistful of Dollars, Once Upon a Time in America, and The Good and Bad and Ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, everyone knows that. That's from The Good, Bad, and Ugly. And um, yeah, and Tarantino's used him for years. So I I feel like I should have known this, but yet it was during this research. I was like, oh shit, I completely forgot he did the score for this movie. Well, and it's very important that Ennio Morricone did it because... Mm-hmm. John Carpenter, the reason he got into movies, he said, was because he went to make westerns. But then westerns died out, and that's when he did Halloween, and then he ended up doing horror movies. And, um, by the way, I didn't have my notes on me when we did the intro. The 1951 movie, The Thing from Another World, was directed by Howard Hawks, which is one of John Carpenter's favorite directors. And that's why he loved that movie so much. Um, do you think that's kind of what moved him into horror since he's like Hall- I can't do western I like this horror film yeah well I think he did Halloween and he he says that he got typecast into horror but he doesn't really like call himself a horror director so much but he is very good at horror and I think maybe that's why he's a good horror director because he doesn't uh, lead into tropes I also I feel say. like westerns and horror films aren't that very different from each other because they're usually sure. both very suspenseful and there's usually a big bad in yes. both genres. So it kind of makes sense in a way. And I don't know. I don't think we really mentioned. If you if you don't know if you've seen a John Carpenter film, you probably have. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a lot of movies. Obviously, you've probably seen Halloween. Assault on Precinct 13 was an older, like his first one that was really big, I do believe. Um, also The Fog, Christine, which is a Stephen King adaptation. I honestly don't love Christine, but I don't really like that. I'm not a big car person. Like, I don't like that one. But he also did Big Trouble in Little China. Mm -hmm. They Live, which Keith David is also in. Um, In the Mouth of Madness, Escape from LA, Escape from New York, Ghosts of Mars, Vampires, which is kind of funny. Honestly, I finally saw Vampires a few months ago. And right now he really does producing. Yeah. And he lo- and he's a composer. And the thing was actually um, one part of his Apocalypse trilogy, as he calls mm-hmm. it, which includes uh, Prince of Darkness and The Mouth of Madness. He also stated that this is his personal favorite of his work. Yes. Yeah. He loves the thing. And so I think that's why it was so disappointing that it wasn't super popular. But now everyone loves it. Yeah. And everyone has theories about, like, who was who and who was the thing and who wasn't the thing. And I think that's what makes it such a good movie. Yeah. Um, also, just going through cast and crew, I think we have to talk about Rob Botton, which originally, they also had um, Lance Anderson, who's another um, 
really famous special effects person. He did Planet of the Apes, The Island of Dr. Moreau, the really weird one, and Dawn of the Dead, but the new one. Um, but Rob Botton was probably the reason the, the creature effects are so unique because he did come up with the idea about having it be multiple creatures and that it didn't have to be one thing because John Carpenter apparently he was like, you know, the script really didn't like say what it was supposed to look like and we didn't know what we were supposed to do and that was really him. Uh, Rob Botton also did Total Recall, some Game of Thrones, uh, Mr. Deeds. Oh, that is funny. Charlie's Angels Fight Club, which we did nice. on the podcast. Yep. Seven, Basic Instinct, Robocop, The Witches of Eastwick, Explorers, Legend, which has some interesting makeup, and The Howling, and Airplane. Nice. Oh, I love Impressive Airplane. filmography. He's great. Now, Katie, did you happen to write down, because I know for sure that Botton ended up being hospitalized due to the stress of this project. He did. He put so much work into it. So everything in the movie was his special effects, except for the kennel thing. So the thing that we see in the oh, kennel yeah, was done up. by another um, design artist who refused to take credit for it because he didn't want Botten to be discredited anyway. So uh-huh. he just quietly, and they, they give him the thanks and the credits for the thing. But I forgot what his name was, and I feel so bad. I know, I'm I trying to look it up because I'll look it up while you guys talk about something. Yeah. Because I've got it pulled up right here. So we will mention that um, since Katie uh, said that this was based on the novella Who Goes There by John W. Campbell Jr., that even though this is the second adaptation of that novella, this is actually the more faithful adaptation Mm -hmm. um, because the thing from Another World was not completely uh, faithful. This is pretty faithful um, for the most part. Um, But technically, this still makes the thing a remake. So if we're talking about horror remakes, this is technically a remake, and a lot of people forget that. Um, it's the best remake. It is in the history. best remake there is. Um, the screenplay was by Bill Lancaster. Um, this became his most well-known work, and while he didn't think Who Goes There was a great story, he responded to the sense of claustrophobia and paranoia in the story. Uh, he also wrote the Bad News Bear films, um, so he only did three screenplays. Um, and me and Katie and Ryan, as we were talking. Like I said, they also, he was supposed to do Firestarter with John Carpenter, but they were both booted from the project when this movie was a um, commercial failure. Yes. So. And I did find who did the dog scene. It was Stan Winston, who is an extremely famous special effects and makeup designer. Um, he worked on AI, artificial intelligence. Wow. Uh, Jurassic Park, Aliens, Terminator 2, Galaxy Quest, which is one of my favorite Guilty Pleasure movies, Interview with the Vampire, Another Island of Dr. Moreau, uh, Batman Returns, Starman, which is another lesser-known John Carpenter movie, Friday the 13th Part 3, although he was uncredited, uh, Friday the 13th Part 2, also uncredited, I guess he just did it, The Exterminator, which is a really bad movie, but I actually have the movie poster for it. Because Red Letter Media did it on Best of the Worst, and I found it in a flea market and was like, hey, I'm buying that. Um, And The Wiz. Oh, that's awesome. So, in a movie called Dracula's Dog. That is so cool. I don't know what that is. I have, like, mad respect. <laughs> Could you imagine someone, like, really stepping up to the plate and filling in and then being like, I won't take credit, guys. It's okay. I mean, knowing how, like, the movie business works, I bet they knew each other. Yeah. I bet he was like, oh... He's in the hospital. I'll take over for him. Yeah. You know. Or well, they both knew Carpenter. I think the kennel thing was probably like 
the worst for me. And it's probably honestly yeah. as I am a lover. But I was just, I get sick looking at the Kindle thing. It's honestly terrifying, too, yeah. because, like, there's all those tentacles. Mm-hmm. And it's really vis- excuse me, you visceral. Can, you can also see how the thing is, like, working out how these organisms mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. With, because there's multiple dog heads that were produced yeah and they're different stages well you see the flower that opens up too i didn't know upon reading it but it's 13 dog tongues that make up the petals of the flowers oh i think i did know that yeah and i was like disgusting awful disgusting (laughs) it's absolutely despicable but i love that about this movie this is like something so like i was listening to stephen kostansky from PG Psycho Gorman mm-hmm. talked to Henry Henry from last podcast on the left. He was doing an interview over, it was like one of their Patreon exclusives that they released over the holiday season. And I was like, man, I wish like I could get into special effects work. It just seems like so much fun to just yes. build creatures and just like create gross things. <laughs> and like, it's just fun. Also, hunting for props is always fun. Yeah. Like, it's just fun. So maybe one day we'll do a horror movie with everybody and... We'll just get buckets of blood. Um, cinematography is done by Dean Cundy, um, mm-hmm. who was nominated for Academy Award for Best Cinematographer for his work on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I love. Oh, I love wow. that movie uh, so much. I, yeah, I love that it's movie. It's terrifying, too. Uh, the shoe part still makes me upset. Dean Cundy also did Jurassic Park as well. And he did the Back to the Future trilogy. He did Halloween 2 and 3, The Fog, Big Trouble in two. Little China. So he's a frequent collaborator with John Carpenter. And he's still working today. Yeah. He also does a lot. He did, well, before she passed away, Nancy Myers passed away. But he did a few movies with her, like The Parent Trap and The Holiday, too. So obviously I directors like him. They <coughs> keep me. bringing him back. So um, Nancy Myers does not pass away. I'm so sorry. As soon as I said Nancy I Myers died. I bet you're died, thinking of Nora, Nora, Nora Ephron. Ephron did pass away. And I love Nora Ephron. But I was mm-hmm. like, wait, Nancy, I'm so sorry. Please don't be mad at me. So um, so, so since I, I we said we were going to do the cast. So uh, Wilford Brimley, mm-hmm. Diabetes Man, plays Dr. I Blair. I secretly love Blair the best because you kept talking it's about just, Blair. It's the meme <laughs> of Wilford Brimley. It's the, I don't care about his character Every time. Every time we give us screen, she's like, diabetes. Diabetes. Like, she's really no, excited about hold this. On. Realization. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did he start having a mustache after the movie? I, I think, think he so. did. Yeah. yeah. Is his mustache the thing? Oh, no. Oh. It is. Holy shit. Don't um, worry. He's passed away, so we don't have to be worried about it. I also but read. But his mustache has it. His mustache is still, it's like floating around. I also read a very um, kind of fucks with me trivia tidbit so the first three characters to die in the thing are actually the first three actors to have died in real life oh that's creepy yeah in the so same order Keith david and kurt russell will never die or at least be the last ones please die. god so. <laughs> by the way keith david I, well, I think we said this on the live stream but i'm getting mixed up with what we said on the live stream versus what we've already recorded for the podcast keith david you know him you love him he was dr facilier I kind of looked yes. it up in The Princess and the Frog, and he was also Frank and They Live. He was on Armageddon, and he just has this velvety, rich, deep voice. He's Goliath on Gargoyles. He's Goliath. Oh, we did say that. Yes. We said that already. Yeah. But yeah, Keith David uh, plays Childs. Um, we've got Richard Massu as um, Clark, 
which was the dog handler. Yes, poor Clark. Was in, he's been in my, he was in My Girl. Oh. Yeah, in My Girl too. And like I said, and during the cast, he was uh, the older Stanley Uris in the It TV miniseries. Mm-hmm. He was on Rhoda. Um, he was on One Day at a Time and Encino Man, if you guys remember that movie. Encino Brennan Man? Brennan. I Encino love Encino Man. Man. Thank you. Why did I say I Encino? saw that when I was really young and I think it really got the Brendan Fraser flame flowing in my little head. Then I saw George of the Jungle, and then it was like, oh my god. That did it, that did it. By the time The Mummy came out, I was just, no. Uh, I think we already covered T.K. Carter, who plays Knowles. David Clennon? Is it Clennon? Yeah, David Clennon, who plays Palmer. Um, He's still working. He's done Siriana, which I remember that one, but I, I didn't actually see that one. Uh, I was trying to see what else. Oh, he, he was on Hawaii Five-0 recently. Yeah. Um, he was in the Vacation movie. Ah. The new one, not the old one. Oh, he was in Gone Girl. Yeah, yeah, he played Amy Elliott's dad in Gone Girl. That's where he is. A- he looks way... Amy Elliott doing right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think Amy Elliott is yeah. the name. He was on some episodes of Weeds, so he's done, he's done some stuff. Yeah. He looks very different now. He looks very, very clean cut now. Um, and then we've got Richard Dysart as Dr. Hopper. Mm-hmm. I liked him. Yeah. He was really good. The doctor, I thought he was great. Except, and he has the most famous, like, death scene with the arms and the, and then he just has a little stubby hands and you're just like, oh my God. Um, let's see. Oh, he did, he did Dr. Bartholomew in Batman the Animated Series. I love Batman the Animated Series. He was in Wild Wild West. Oh, it was a TV miniseries. I thought it was the TV show. He didn't. He did a lot of stuff, but it looks like a lot of TV stuff. Yeah. Did you have anything written down for him? Uh, which which actor again? Doctor Copper. Yeah. Okay, okay, so he was in Mass, Wall Street, Pell Rider, and Panther, but was best known for his role as Leland McKenzie on L.A. Law, and oh. I think he did that for like five six seasons. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. I didn't watch L.A. Law. I didn't either, but as soon as I hear like I see a name and I recognize it, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I know about that show. I've never watched it either. And I think we already said Peter Maloney, right? Um, in case we didn't, Peter Maloney is George Bennings, the meteorologist. He's been in multiple films such as Desperately Seeking Susan, Manhunter, which I love. Oh, I love yeah, that Yeah, that's movie. a good it's movie. The, it's the original Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. And it's phenomenal. It's really good. Uh, he was also in JFK, Thinner, and Requiem for a Dream. And there was a few actors in this movie in Requiem for a Dream, including yeah. Keith David. So. And then we've got Gary... With the eyebrows. Yeah. So, uh, Donald Moffat. It's like Becky with the good hair, Gary with the eyebrows. Continuing yes. the theme of facial hair. Facial hair. Must, no mustache, Brimford, or, what, well, Brimley? Brimford, that's his new name. Wilford Brimley is Brimford. Brimford, yes. Brimford. Uh, and he, uh... He did get Tony Award nominations for both The Wild Duck and Right You Are, if you think you are. And he received an Obie Award for Painting Churches, but he was also in Logan's Run TV series and The Born Identity, the 1988 version. That's weird that there's another Born Identity. Mm -hmm. And then we got Joel Polis, who played Fuchs. 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 Yes. He's done he's done some stuff, I see. He's still doing stuff. Yeah, he is he seems to be like one of those um 
It's almost like they make a professional living and there's no shame in this, but he does like one episode guest stars a lot. Mm-hmm. So he's been in a shit ton of TV series, but like one episode. I see Cheers. I see Matlock. I see Dharma and Greg. I will actually really like Dharma and Greg. I know mm-hmm. it's stupid, but it's it's a comfort TV yeah. show for me. And then I think the only other person, we should, I think we mentioned him, but Windows. Oh, Windows. So uh, Thomas Waits, who currently runs an acting studio in New York City, yeah. which is named for him. So, yes, I think we mentioned everybody. Did we yes. forget anybody? I think that's all the main people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've mentioned everybody. But that's that's that. Um, do we want to, what do we want to talk about now? Um, is there anything, Ryan, you, you're the guest of honor tonight. Is there anything you kind of want to discuss further that happens in the movie? Any characters? Um, I would, I would kind of like to know, uh, cause we, we had a few questions come up during v- viewing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. didn't particularly have answers. Okay. And I would like to know your standpoints on that. So like we had mentioned Fuchs and mm-hmm. you also said that one of the running debates is what happened to him yeah and yeah. so um in the movie he goes out um after being lured out gets cut away they come back and his body is burned with a used flare beside him yeah so because he's after holding a flare mccurdy's jacket right yes so there was a scene that they filmed and i've seen a still from it where they find his body stabbed with a shovel into a wall and he dies as a human so one of the theories is that whoever the thing is at that time it's apparently not supposed to be blair yet it's supposed to be somebody else but because you see a shadow go behind him and that's why he goes outside so something lures him outside yeah the theory is either a he was killed by the thing because he had discovered the jacket that was planted or he, or he's seen the thing. He's figured out who it is. The other thing is he sees the jacket. He's so upset because McCree's the only one that he trusts at this point. Cause remember he's like isolated in the lab and he jumps every time and he doesn't trust anybody. So if he thinks McCready has been, assimilated then he kind of just gave up and he didn't want to get assimilated so he killed himself that's another theory because they cut the part of him getting murdered because they thought it was weird they thought it kind of didn't really make a lot of sense and it didn't read super well so they were like this is more ambiguous and you can kind of figure out there's a lot of stuff like uh brit mentioned when we were filming the um when we were streaming it that um Niles Mm-hmm. has a very ambiguous death in the final cut, but they did do a death scene for yeah. him. So I think a lot of it's just ambiguity to keep you guessing, because that's kind of the whole point of it is yeah. suspicion. And see, in my head, if I had, like, if I was able to dictate how, how Fuchs went out, I was thinking that maybe it was trying to assimilate him, and he was like, no, I'm not doing this, and he committed and, yeah. suicide. So and I think that would have been, like, a really badass way to go. Like, if it literally was trying to do what it does to Gary in the final scene, like, maybe grab him. And yeah. He just takes the flare gun and lights himself up. Trying like, to take it out with him, yeah. too. The other thing right. is with, with uh, Brimley's character, with uh, Blair. Because Blair is interesting because he does kind of turn on the camp. And he's not assimilated at first. Mm-hmm. Um, he somehow gets, he gets assimilated within the two days between them locking him in there. 
and when they find him. So, yeah. um, that's before the blood test. So that's so. Uh, Palmer probably was mm-hmm. the person who assimilated him, or Nelson. Nelson. Yeah. Um, but the thing with them is that the noose thing. Another theory is that he knew that he was getting assimilated and was going to kill himself to keep from getting assimilated, but then he was assimilated, and that's why he Lost too much. didn't kill yeah. himself. Um, but it is really weird, because there's just, like, a noose hanging there, and he's having a conversation with McCready through he's a window. He's like, let me out. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, you're like, we're not going to talk about the noose hanging right between your heads? Okay, let's... It's okay. interesting whenever that's put in, because that's after the the jacket is found by yeah. Fuchs, so on one hand, um, he's not talking about it because maybe he was assimilated and that's why he's not going to, you know, kill himself. But then on the other hand, mm-hmm. maybe McCurdy's assimilated and he's not going to talk about it because why would he, like, yeah, yeah. I don't care if you die. Yeah. It's a very, it. that's the thing I love about this movie is you can talk about it for, like, days. It's like nobody knows for sure and John Carpenter won't give a for sure answer. Yeah. Another thing I was wondering was, um, so Fuchs finds the jacket, mm-hmm. but then later, um... The cook finds the jacket. Knowles finds it too. Yeah. Yep. In the, mm-hmm. uh, the up uh, the oven mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. shack. Mm-hmm. How does it make it over? Because yeah. Knowles was walking around outside. He was with McCready looking for for Fuchs. Uh, no, I think was it, was they, it when he was no, looking for Fuchs? Remember, it's when they noticed the light was still on in the cabin. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the cabin next on. door. Yeah, because he don't said, they find Fuchs with the jacket. No. Okay, so, so they find Duke's body, and then he looks up, and he said, I turned my light off when I left two days ago. Mm-hmm. And then he what, sees yeah. the light, and then, so Fuchs finds the jacket. So the thing moved the jacket. Okay. So Fuchs must have had, ha- actually physically had contact with the thing before yeah. he died. Whether the thing killed him, or he killed himself trying not to assimilate with the thing. I'm not sure, but I feel like you're probably right, Britt, though. With him assimilating, like him, yeah. he knew that he would rather, you know, he was probably trying to take the thing out with yeah, him. Yeah, which I, which I really, really like about that idea of character that there's like some kind of nobility before he dies. Well, there's also a nobility to McCready who hasn't been that noble mm-hmm. at the end when he's like, maybe we shouldn't survive because yeah. they don't, he's like, one of us could still be the thing. Yeah. So I don't want us to like bring that to the world. What do you? Who do you think the thing was at the end? So I'm, I'm curious. With the end, is the thing only trying to be one being, or is it trying to be multiple? But it can't take he, a form unless it assimilates. Yeah, that is a good like, question. You've got the dog goes into the dog pen. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a perfectly acceptable form that can get you to society. Mm-hmm. But instead, well, I guess self-defense because all the dogs start barking. But you notice that it starts making multiple dog heads. Like, it's going to go and, like, oh, if the humans don't see me, they'll come back. And, like, there mm-hmm. are six dogs here. There are six dogs now. Yeah. yeah. I'm each of the dogs. Um, but then you have... Um, names elude me. It's okay. It's okay. Horrible. <laughs> so you have the, uh, at the end, one of her face Hot- grab... Oh, face crab. Gary, uh, or, no. Blair grabs Gary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then he's dragging along. 
is he trying to combine into one body? I think he did. Or, so the going, the, um, I'm making hand motions like you can yep. see. Yep, the sandworm uh, so part. The, the sandworm sand yeah. explosion. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was the combine of, of two bodies being Because it seemed like there was a final form that was trying to be made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you saw multiple times where there were like three fingers with claws on it. Yeah. A certain and form of math, mouth that it wanted yeah. to make. Yeah. sort of thing. And so... Maybe it's trying to reach the perfect final form. I also wonder because it keeps absorbing DNA that it's just like... It's like overwhelmed. Like it has all this mm. different DNA and it's seeing the things it's trying to mimic, but it's like, what am I? And so that's why we keep tra- seeing it change forms because it's like, I don't know what I am. Like, it turns out the thing is actually an existential an identity yeah. crisis about okay. having an identity crisis and trying to reform yourself and the way society doesn't want you to reform. I do. Yeah. I do want to return to the ending question that you yes. had for, for Ryan. I have a philosophical question. It may sound a little silly. So as I pointed out, um, I feel very bad for Clark. I love Clark because Clark cares so much for the dogs. And you see throughout the movie, like when they shoot at the dog, he tries to grab the shotgun. Like he instantly runs to the dog's cage when he's finding out Blair has killed the rest of the dogs. And I can't help but wonder. So we find out after McCready shoots Blair, I mean Clark dead, that he wasn't a thing. Like his blood doesn't jump, which mm-hmm. means he had been assimilated. But he had been with the the dog the whole time because... You know, that's even what, um, what, I just blanked on his name myself, um, when they Diabetes. When about why is the dog oh, in the uh, Blair. 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 Yeah, Blair. So, Blair even asked Clark, he's like, how long were you alone with the dog? He's like, a couple hours, why? And Bla- that's the first suspicion in the movie, is that maybe Clark is a thing. But then you find out he isn't. So, my whole question is... Is the thing, was it trying to be conniving? Was it trying to automatically implant that seed in someone's head that Clark was a thing? Or did it not bother Clark because Clark was treating it well and with kindness? Like, Did we have a predator situation? (gasps) Yeah. Because dogs weren't attacked until they started growling and attacking. So maybe it was only attacking humans because the humans had attacked it. When they started attacking. Yeah. Yeah. Also, apparently, part of the fear underlying the story was the rising fear of AIDS, according to oh, yeah. uh, that. So, like, the suspicions of who is sick, who, which is, that is terrifying. Yeah. That would show a lot of blood. And, yeah. Like, a lot of, and a lot of blood means. tests. Like, that's, you can see the, the all male inspiration. Cast. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and an all-male cast, because it was yeah. all, well, it wasn't all, but in America, at least, it was predominantly homosexual men and that's why people were really discriminated against because they were like oh they used to call it quote unquote like the gay disease and it's like no it's just blood disease yeah assholes sorry well it's funny you brought that up because you know the original movie um the original thing from another world was also heavily inspired by the cold war and Mm. the tensions going on because we were in the cold war which that's way more i think alien 50s heavy Mm -hmm. whereas this one's a lot more psychological yeah Yeah, this one's a lot more like suspicions and psychological Mm -hmm. stuff which and also this isn't john carpenter but it's wes Oh, Wes Craven's mm-hmm. uh, Last House on the Left yeah. was inspired by the violence of the Vietnam War and the reaction to it and all that stuff. So a lot of horror movies do that, is they take something that's scary in real life and kind of put a different 
face on it so you can face the fear. Yeah, which... Tess's chainsaw was the same way, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's much more terrifying than diseases, speaking yeah. as someone going through a pandemic right now. But I, well, I think the AIDS epidemic was much scarier. And I remember my mom talking about who was a nurse at the time and a mom yeah. who was having kids at the time. She was like, it was terrifying to go into the hospital because, you know, with blood transfusions, like, it was scary. Like, you didn't know where it was coming from and that's when the pandemic started she was like i mean this was kind of how it felt in the 80s because nobody knew how it was getting yet and who would get it and it was just like everyone was fear-mongering and it was really scary but you know now there's like treatments and we all know what happens and how to protect yourself and all this stuff yeah so you know at least this movie like now we don't fear for this thing, but now it's just suspicions. Okay, um, this is this is just a very very small sidetrack because I don't want to go off into this. But we know, know we know Jordan Peele's new movie Nope comes out later this year, and I wonder if Nope has anything to do with the pandemic. So I'm just gonna leave it at that because I do want to circle back around it maybe in an episode or two. I I don't yeah. know. I kind of hope not because I yeah. I I like avoidance. Like I like that the thing is low-key about Mm -hmm. the AIDS epidemic, but it's not in your face about it. I want it to be a symbolic thing so I can escape and face my fears. It's like Midsummer. Yeah. It's a breakup movie, but it's symbolic. Yeah, but I feel like Hereditary, same thing. I feel like Jordan Peele could maybe walk that fine line. But I guess it made me think about it because I'm like, we haven't really... Yeah. I know. We... I don't... I'm like, I'm surprised we have we don't have a horror movie about the pandemic. If we do, guys, please let me know. And maybe something I'm not aware there of. There have been some. No, there have been a couple, but they were, like, straight to Hulu. And I tried mm. to watch a couple of them, and they were, like... I think Peter and I tried to watch one, like, mid-pandemic, and we turned it off immediately because it was that bad. Oh, and we ended up watching painful. Good Time instead. That's which painful. was a much better movie. Yeah. But it was also painful because, like, the character just keeps making bad decision after Ooh, bad decision. Oh, like Uncut Gems. So, yeah. Which I still haven't seen Uncut Gems when oh, I have seen Good it. Time. I know. But now I'm, like, afraid of it. Should we circle back around to the ending question? Or do you want to go, do we have any other words before we go back I think to we that should, I think we should do the ending question. Who, who did you think was the thing? Ryan? So, I, I think it was Charles. Okay. Because of the breath thing? Yeah, because of the breath thing. If you don't know, he's like, has no breath. Well, there's a little bit, but it's not, like, like no, what do you call it? No um, expiration. Condensation. Yeah, condensation. I, I was about to say condensation. I'm like, is that wrong? No condensation okay. coming out. But Keith David did point out that he is sitting right next to the fire, so it could be that. But you're in Antarctica during the Yeah. But Kurt winter, Russell has a ton it's of not it. going to be... So hard enough, but but Keith David was like, I wonder how much was done in post because I think that would really give the answer. And he's like, but I haven't asked John Carpenter that, so I don't know. Backstepping though, because I really like the idea of McCarty being the thing because he's the one yeah. that suggests the blood test, and but he if, took his blood. If it's all part of the same creature, he can go and have it to where one blood's test activates and the others does not maybe thus clearing himself there's a lot in it that can be done where it's like is this person suggesting it because they are human trying to clear themselves or is it could it be because we don't know how intellectual the thing is yeah because i think it's smart it could be stuff where it's like oh so y'all y'all think you know who i have assimilated because they have torn clothes well let me throw out 
everybody's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I think generally, I don't think McCready is. I trust the blood test. Up until that point. After the blood test, who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. But up until the point of the blood test, I do trust the blood test. But, you know, I mean, that is that is a thing. Yeah. About the thing. I think thing. it would have been a phenomenal tr- twist. <laughs> um, it probably would have been a legendary twist. It Because the thing is, is that we don't want to believe that McCready is the thing because we follow him throughout the movie. We essentially yeah. see everything for his eyes. So if we were to find out, like, boldface he was the thing, I think it would absolutely floor us. Can we also point out the fact... Because Keith David said this in that interview I watched from him, that, like, this is one of the first horror movies to have the black guy actually survive the entire movie, which he was really excited about when he took the part. He was like, I'm so, he was like, that never happened back then. Now we have, you know, now we have Jordan Peele to right those wrongs. But, you know, before that, it really was, except for Night of the Living Dead. Oh, no. Well, wait, Mm -hmm. except for, but I mean, (laughs) up until that point. Up until that point, <laughs> that you know we know what we're talking about. Yeah, he was the hero, but he didn't get to. Was mm-hmm. that that wasn't John Carpenter? No, no, that was George A. Romero. Thank you. Yeah, there's just a bunch of old white short guys with white hair that like, <laughs> like they start melding together. It's true. George Romero, Wes Craven, and John Carpenter in my head meld into it. Although George Romero had the giant glasses. Yes. So. Another thing that I, I agree, I think Charles is the thing, is that, so when he, he like, shows up out of nowhere, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, are you the only survivor? He doesn't say, are we the only survivors? He yeah. says, are you the only survivor? Like, it's like, he's staking him out, like, is there anyone else, or is it just me and you? True. But they're in a stalemate. Like, the thing is, is that neither one of them can make a move, because it's like, you know, McCready says they both have no more energy left. Yeah. So... And there's a compelling theory because he's thrown the Mavlo t- cocktails. Am I saying that right? Molotov. Molotov cocktails. Thank you. This is what happens when you read a lot but don't talk to a lot of people when you're growing up. Um, but he's thrown those cocktails and they have gasoline in them and he hands him the bottle. And so a lot of people theorize that there's actually gasoline in the bottle. He hands Charles, not Scott. He's going to burn him. Well, that he can't taste the difference because he wouldn't know how to taste the difference. So and that's why he laughs because he... And if you notice, when he drinks it, it plays the thing's theme. It does mm-hmm. the bump, bump as he drinks it. And he drinks and wipes his mouth and that creedy starts laughing. I think it's all there. Yeah. But I, th- I I like that this is the kind of ambiguous ending I like. Is mm-hmm. that it could be this. but Or it could be this. But there's clues to substantiate both endings. It's like the ending of Parasite. Mm-hmm. You can choose to believe the happy ending or you can choose to believe the sad ending. Now, Bong Joon-ho says it's a sad ending. Yeah. But, and and he's definitely pushing you towards that. However, if you want to be, sometimes I'm optimistic when I'm watching Parasite. And I'm like, I choose to believe it's this ending. Old Boy is the same way. Where you can choose to believe that the hypnosis worked. Like, or you can choose to not believe that. And it's really gross. But also happy, but also disgusting, and I do not approve. I wonder how many but. people would be surprised if by now I'm completely nihilistic because I'm like, yeah, it's the bad ending every time. Like, I mean, there's no hope, and that's fine. <laughs> but I like having an option. But as long as they're both supported, I hate ambiguous endings where there's just no ending. Mm-hmm. You know, where they just leave it open ended and they don't give you 
a choice. They're just like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, that means that you shouldn't have written that story because also, you didn't have an ending. So, you, so you possible don't third choice. Yes, yes. Because we had mentioned while watching that you may not know you're assimilated. Mm-hmm. True. First off, what if they're both the thing? That's, That's yeah, yeah. Or neither. Yeah. You could still be running around those snow caves. We don't know where Nalls is. We never actually see Nalls die. Yeah, we don't. In the final cut. Although he was originally supposed to die. Yeah. So, who knows? His death actually sounded, like, amazing, but they said test audience laugh because he literally, so when the, the sandworm comes, he literally, his his upper torso pops up and he's like, help me, help me, and it grabs him back down with the tentacles and pulls him down. Maybe it was so. a little too much like the beginning of Jaws or something. I don't know. <laughs> But, we all uh, are inspired by each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, I mean, it is, I love that people can talk about this movie though. Like, what about you, Ryan? Did you watch anything interesting over the winter break? Just throw it back. Uh, Amazon Prime had Wheel of Time come out. Oh. I haven't watched it yet. Is it good? So, it's, uh, it's polarizing. Okay. Right out there. I know um, Anastasia's been watching it. I'm, hey, Anastasia. I'm definitely someone who has uh, read all 14 books. Nice. <laughs> hey, they Twi- finished their book series. I'm like Game of Thrones. Twice. That is amazing. Okay, uh, well, you read it twice. I'm, you like it. I'm Did doing like it? a third read through now. Oh, wow. <laughs> so can, it's like your Harry Potter. Yes. That, that's what, how I am with Harry um, Potter. <laughs> and so, but, I mean, you can't, like, okay. So, Wheel of Time, you've got 14 books, one prequel book. Um, each book is at least 600 pages long. Um, I think, I think Amazon had listed down that, uh, Robert Jordan has over 2,000 characters who are named through it. So there is a lot that you have to compress. Mm -hmm. Um, Amazon is doing, as far as I've heard, they're only doing eight episodes each season. Mm -hmm. Um, luckily they are pushing hard for it, uh, Season two started filming before uh, season one was released, and before season one was um, done releasing on Christ- uh, Christmas, um, they went ahead and flagged for season three to go. And so, um, I do highly recommend. One of the things that I really love about it is that half my friends have read the series and half have not. Mm-hmm. So I get to see both perspectives of how people are enjoying it not enjoying it it's like the cowboy bebop live action which i found delightful but everyone who's finished this the anime hated Brittany hated it Brittany put down the knife yeah (laughs) but i i thought it was really cute and it's canceled so don't worry about it it's not it's not gonna have a season two but i i can't remember how the rest of cowboy bebop finished so i was slowly trying to get through the anime first but then Brittany's like, I want you to finish the live action walk, first and see if you still like if it. If you walk into hell, the first thing you will see is <laughs> Spike Spiegel! <laughs> no. Um, no, I feel, I feel, spoiler alert, guys, I feel very bad because Edward Wong Howe, Pepple and Traskowski, the fourth, would be a very hard character to translate to real life. And God bless that actor. Um, but yeah, that's what you hear and see when you walk into hell. But but Ayn was very cute. <laughs> I was perfect. Ayn was perfect. I was, I and was I really liked, um, what's his Jet. face? Jet was yeah, really Jet good. Yeah, Jet was good casting. And I honestly didn't mind um, the lady girl. <laughs> oh, God. Julia? Julia. Yeah. I didn't mind Julia either. I, and I thought uh, 
Spike was a good casting, even though he's he's a little old for it. But I didn't think they're putting him. I think in a later part of his life. I didn't think it was bad, but I haven't gone to that yeah. episode yet because now I'm afraid to watch it because everyone hates it. Now, yeah. see, it's it's actually kind of funny because like they uh, Bebop and World of Time both came out at the same time. Obviously, Netflix goes and does the mm-hmm. the entire mm-hmm. series, and then uh, Amazon was going once a week. Um, and it was interesting seeing the parallels because just being a comic book fan, obviously it's a huge time with Marvel movies and stuff, but even before then, whenever you had the Sam Raimi Spider-Man and you had Brian Singer do X-Men and you had, uh, Ben Affleck as Daredevil, you know, the worst Daredevil, you, you go and you put yourself in a mindset that these are, these are core characters that you have followed. But yeah. it's an alternate universe. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, And with that saying, Will of Time does a much better job of distilling who the characters are. Mm-hmm. And then putting those characters into new situations that fit into these eight episodes. Then um, I've only seen three episodes of Cowboy Bebop. Um, I got to And five. I feel it, you get really close to touching the characters mm. and getting their aspects in it. But their full essence isn't there. One of them. Well, my thing, anime is such a... Okay, so Alan Moore, (laughs) years ago, I love Watchmen, and that's no secret, I love Watchmen. I love the HBO Limited series, but I was reading the graphic novel when I was like 17 years old. And the graphic novel's great. It is, it's phenomenal. And so when Zack Snyder did Watchmen, (laughs) as you were talking, you know, you... When you see something, you're like, okay, this is how I know I'm going to react to it when you have somebody who hasn't seen something. So we went and saw Watchmen opening night, and I had friends who were so confused because when you try to condense that novel into a three-hour movie, there's still so much. And with anime, it it's didn't such, make sense at all. It didn't make sense to people who didn't read the I novel. I had read my, everyone in my family. No, I don't know if my mom had read the graphic novel, but I had, my brother had, because my brother, my sister gave it to my brother for Christmas, then he was like, you should read it, and I read it, and I really liked it, I think my sister had read at least part of it, because we were living together at the time in college, and we went and saw this entire family, and when I say that owl ship scene, the hallelujah scene, scene, (laughs) uh, me and my mom and my sister were cracking up laughing in the theaters, like, it was, but it didn't make any sense, I was like, we're missing a lot of, like, really key character moments, and I wasn't even, like, I really like Watchmen, but it, it, I had read it, it wasn't like, it was, you know, my favorite thing in the whole world, I can only imagine if it was your absolute favorite graphic novel, how disappointing it was. And that's when I just decided Zack Snyder is not the director for me. I do well, not enjoy... Most of his films just fall They're very for visually me. They're very they're visually pretty. pretty, yes. But that's the thing they're Alan pretty. Moore said when he, when Watchmen was being adapted, because you know his name wasn't anywhere mm-hmm. on the movie, because he's like, I don't want my name on the movie. He's like, he hated his adaptations. And he said, comic books are such a medium that it, they're so hard to adapt. And I feel the exact same way about anime. Mm-hmm. Like anime, yeah. it seems it's, like it should be easy because you already have a visual medium to yeah. take hold of, but there's so much to it. Yeah, anime. I I don't think I've ever seen a live action successful anime. I could be wrong, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. I don't know of one that I've heard of positive 
reactions to and it. And Netflix is Netflix is doing like One Piece and Yu Yu Hakusho. They already so did doing... Erased and Bleach. Yeah. And didn't they do Bleach? They did. Yeah, they Bleach. Bleach. Have they done and Bleach? They did, okay. And they did Death Note. I didn't watch Death Note or Bleach, but I tried to watch Erased when I watched Death. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I heard it was really bad. I like Blue. Well, that was a good choice yeah. for yeah. that character, and that's why like. Kawa Bebop, good choice for the three, four, including yeah. nine main characters. Yeah. Like, visually, they looked good, but I, like I said, I hadn't finished the series in a long time. I couldn't remember how everything went, and I wasn't as attached, so I felt like I could disconnect and just enjoy it as its own thing. So stepping but... out of, of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you feel that the Cowboy Bebop live-action series has been the best rendition of anime as live action yes. um, not following the source material just translating the medium it 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 looked amazing because uh, i think as mentioned before i totally agreed with um i'm pretty sure you all said this in a previous episode yeah but um the, it took a lot i feel from like cincinny and the yeah. tracy movie sort of yeah. thing with being able to do that not quite one-to-one translation right but being able to develop that style where this feel like as it close feels as feels like a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. as close as live yeah. action has gotten to anime. I will say real quick because I know we're getting to the end of it. So I was sitting here thinking, as far as comics, the only adaptation I can think of, just off the top of my head, that I liked the original comics and actually enjoyed the adaptation was the Umbrella Academy. That is a good one. It is a you know you're right that one and I didn't read the Umbrella Academy mm-hmm. but I liked the adaptation. I didn't hear any negative viewpoints. I think most people just weren't aware of it. Yeah, I really liked it. There were things that I felt like improved on, like for example, like the casting is very diverse, and in the original comic they were all white, but it makes sense if he's adopting children from all over the world, right. they would if be they a mixed all cast. Different, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of improvements just like that. I haven't finished season that's, two though, so do not ruin anything for me. That's one of the highlights of the Willow Tongue series. It is very diverse mm-hmm. and inclusive, good. and it makes sense um, whenever you hear more about what happened to get to this age. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Game just, of Thrones did that, too. They put everybody from a different part of Wisteria? Westeros. Westeros. Yeah. That, it's mm. okay. It's like <laughs> Westeros. Um, but it was nice because I was like, oh, it's nice to see, like, different looking people in a real in a fantasy world. I will say Thank this you. so actually uh, Game of Thrones did get a lot of flack for having all the lead characters be white people except for Masande and Grave Worm. That but is, um, the Dancing Dragons actually has a lead uh, black character who supposedly is a dragon rider is oh, what the, I'm hearing. The new one. The new one. Yeah, I was thinking about the dance. book I was like so yeah, why didn't so they use them in there's the There's a dragon 2022 baby. Uh, but yeah, so, so the, you can already um, see in the in the trailers that it's already more diverse. But yes, so I guess we got to go back to the thing. Yeah, we got off track for a little bit, but we, we, we got to go it. just a little. We love just a little it. bit. It's fine. We, we got off track later rather than earlier, so yes. it's fine. Um, but yes, did did anyone have any like pros or cons? Any lingering like doubts about the movie? Not really doubts. My pros, I. I feel like this is like a timeless film. Like we were talking about this movie will be 40 years old this June. And I still think it's great. Like I think it has great action. It has great story. The creature effects still look really pretty good mm-hmm. for all these years later. Um, I 
I just love the plot. Like, I don't know. It's like you said, I'm my favorite movies are the type of movies you can debate with your friends. You yeah. can go back and watch and talk about them. You can introduce them to new people and just watch your reaction. Her sister was a witch. And what does that make her? Yes. That <laughs> I love, Wizard of Oz. I love these type of things. Like I really, really do. So I, I would say my pros absolutely outweigh my cons. Now my only cons with the movie um, we talked about, because I know poor Ryan had to hear me gripe about it every time it happens, the weird little fade-outs where they pause the movie and then they fade out. Like, it's like succession. They do these weird, like, uh, quick zooms, because it's Adam McKay is one of the producers. Mm-hmm. And, like, it bothers me because it's not supposed to be a documentary. It's supposed to be, like, a TV show. Yeah. And so it'll be really good cinematography, and then all of a sudden in the middle of an episode, they just, like, close up. And I'm like, what, what are, are we in the office? What happened? Yeah. It like, does really, it jars But you. that's kind of, like, the fade-outs were kind of, like, I feel like there was a better way they could do it. Yeah. And that, especially the pausing, how they literally pause it. Yeah. I think it. that's an older movie technique, too. Yeah. I feel like that was a big thing. Because Star Wars kind of did it. But they would do the um Swipe. the swipes across, which is what I love about Mandalorian because it's all like the progressions, the scene progressions, all like transition the same way the old movies do. Like there'll be like a rising sun, and then the scene will transition in the same direction as the sun's going. And I'm like, oh my god, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Now oh. the only other really minor con, and they they would not be able to know that how outdated and stupid this looks. But when he's on the computer, and it's like probability and it's showing like the cells and it's like showing it i felt i don't like those type of things it's not even the bad technology it makes me feel like they assume their audience is too stupid to catch what's going on and they're trying to explain it although i remember at the beginning of the pandemic there were a bunch of those graphics showing like why social distancing works Mm -hmm. because like you just don't realize how many people you touch by just interacting with like two other people yeah like and i was like so i feel like Yes, if if it wasn't a group of scientists, it would make sense. If they were trying to give a PSA to the public about it, it would make sense. But because it's a bunch of scientists that can probably just talk about probability. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of stupid. The only thing I thought that was outdated mm-hmm. was the beginning, like, flying saucer cross oh, crashing. Yeah. I kind of wish they didn't have that. So when they discover it, it was more like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, and I'm not the first person to say that. I've heard a lot of people be like, yeah, why do they have the beginning? I literally had this in quote, ooh, those graphics. That's what my husband <laughs> said when he watched it. <laughs> I was trying. I started watching, a, a like, a lengthy making of, and it starts out the exact same way as the movie does, but they use a DVD in place of it. Like, they're, like, make, making fun of themselves. And I was like, okay, John Carpenter, you got me. But everything, I just wish it was a little more, like, ambiguous. Yeah. And I thought, the first time I saw it, I thought it was kind of slow moving. But, like, now that I've seen it a few times, I'm like, no. Like, the creature comes out in, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's enough of a setup. very surprised how fast. But that's the, that's perfect. There's a creature there. You like, literally said that. You go, oh, wow, it's already appearing. Yeah. Like, you, you literally said that when we were recording. But I like it because it gets it moving. It's like, well, Parasite was like that. Like, they moved to one plot and then they kept going. And yeah. Like, those are the kinds of movies I like that it keeps going and keeps getting. Even though Good Time was miserable to watch. And I'm sure Uncut Gems the same way. Like, at least it keeps going and going. Yeah. But at the same time, do you think that's going to be from Carpenter's background in Westerns? Because Westerns are very big on the lingering shot. Oh, yeah. And letting stuff set in. And so, like, because, you know, what's the most popular thing about a Western? You have the standoff in the middle of yeah. the right. city sort of thing. And, so, and then you just have the, like, 20 minutes 
of me staring at your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite ending to a Western is like, well, I can't remember what they say, but it was like a really bad Western where a guy was also supposed to be a magician and my ex-boyfriend was really into it. And I was like, he's a magician? It was really stupid. It was like Gambit from the X-Men, like worst X-Men. His He does card tricks? Oh, shit. I You're wish Samantha immune. was here. Samantha I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm like, Samantha could defend It's a running joke on the internet. <laughs> it's a running <laughs> joke on the internet. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like when like people say, <laughs> Luke is a pussy. And Katie then saw my face and that's why she reacted <laughs> her statement. Yeah. No, there's a... There's a you know, you Jenna ever, Marbles went off on it. They were trying to remember what Gambit's power was and then she was like, I'm pretty sure it was like card tricks, and Julian apparently had not seen the card. He was like, "Magic tricks? What? You're no, a no, no. and That's what you get? I'm, I'm I can't remember. Out, it's been a long time. I'm gonna point out something funny you did. So you're quoting someone else, and then you see like a Gambit fan just like kind of yeah. Ryan when was I not was a okay. kid, when I was a kid, I heard someone say Luke was a pussy from Star Wars. So someone was talking about Star Wars, and I'm like a kid. And I go, "Yeah, I heard I, Luke is a pussy," and they were like, "What? Like you know, like Luke, you're ready to punch this me." This is over how this. I got when. And people don't know who Wedge Antilles is mm-hmm. in Star Wars. I judge you. Someone, <laughs> some man tried to mansplain test me about Star Wars, and he asked me who Mon Mothra was, and I'm like, nobody fucking knows her name. It's the lady. I can quote her lines, but mm-hmm. no, I can't remember what her fucking name was. And then I was like, okay. And then they, and then anyways, but I, I there are several people who don't know who Wedge Antilles is. And uh, there was a comic book that I had as a child, and Wedge Antilles crashes into a planet and knocks over, like, a silo of grain or some religious structure. This whole, like, planet is upset with him, and then, like, they're, like, this guy's like, do you know what Wedge Antilles did? And so everybody's like, I don't know who Wedge Antilles is. Wedge Antilles is the only pilot to be present for both of the Death Star's destructions. Thank you very much. And he came back for the last movie, even though the doctor said, no way in hell am I going to come back for a Star Wars movie. Apparently Disney paid him enough. Yes. But I mean, Luke was present for both Death Stars. He wasn't, he wasn't, <laughs> the, he wasn't piloting. He wasn't piloting. And the Millennium Falcon was present, he was but Chewbacca, he he was not piloting. He was was he was he in a red or gold squadron? No, he was not. Who who has the Empire Strikes Back? Stop. Okay, so I, I'm going to ask you, Ryan. Did you have any? Did you have, did you have any cons for this Sorry. movie? No, you're good. You're good. Star Wars. You're good. My favorite. Star Wars. Star Wars. I'm just gonna go hold my Princess Leia thing. Katie starts to dress up as Princess Leia. I have you know, Katie, we don't have to do this oh, she's tonight. She's getting out the hair buns now. Oh, no. God. Oh, God. She got the lightsaber. I'm just going to get my R2, but he's too heavy. But he's did, a robot. Did, did you have any cons that you could think of for the movie? So the, your first time. the only con that really came to mind was the, the confusion on the time passage, mm-hmm. um, which, looking back, part of me is wondering if that time passage was during the Black Fades. Oh. Maybe. Yeah, and that's so, um, Which, at the same time, I'm glad he didn't take it one step forward and be like, three days later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's true. But, um, but yeah, I was definitely like, wait, how did he dig this entire 
ice cave and build a UFO in yeah. two hours. <laughs> they, and the first time I saw it, I thought the same thing. And then I was re-watching like a kill count thing. And they're like, several days later. And I was like, I guess that must have been. That makes a lot more sense. I wonder if there's a line or something that I've missed both times. Because this time we were watching and we were interacting. So I wonder if there's a line that I missed that maybe it says that. But Or maybe it all does happen in two hours. Yes, yeah, maybe. We're maybe. like, oh, it's a couple days actually, guys. Maybe. Um, do we have ratings? I do. Which one of you guys want to go first? Out of 10? What's your rating out of 10, Ryan? I'm going to have to give it 8.5. Oh, wow. It was uh, just its ability to be able to hold up. Even costumes, you can't really time place it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like... Except for the chess wizard. The, yeah. Um, great, great of... Like, it's pretty much the grade of film yeah. is what places it sort of thing. Like, if you if you put that in, like, digital film right now sort of thing, I, I could definitely see you saying it was filmed two years ago and being like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's a great point. It does seem very timeless. Well, and John Carpenter was saying in an interview, I think it was, like, New York Film Institute, that, like, someone was asking him, like, uh, how does the evolution of, like, filmmaking, like, help you? And he's like, honestly, it hasn't really changed. Like, it's still a grind to make a movie. And I think a lot of it hasn't changed with lighting and cinematography. So maybe he just always has been a master of his craft. I Telling think. you, ahead of his time. He's ahead of his time. But but now we all appreciate him. And now, but now we can, we're in his time. We are uh, in the wheel of time. Um, I gave it an 8, but I don't, I don't always do 0.5s. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just like, it's a solid 8. I love it. It's great, but it's not a movie I want to watch again and again and again. It's one I want to watch and give a lot of spacing to and then watch again. Because, like, I do think if you watch it too many times, you see everything coming and it's a little, like, predictable. I think my point five comes from uh, discussability. Yes. Yeah. Not disgustingability. (laughs) It is also disgusting, but in a good way. Just the the ability, how many trails you can go down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I also gave it 8.5. And while I would agree it's not a movie that you would just be like, I'm going to watch this again this week and again next week. Um, It's a movie I think you get excited to show new people. Yes. And I think anytime you get the hankering to be like, you haven't seen the thing? Okay, we're watching the thing. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you ever have, like, you have a friend and they have DVDs at the house and they're looking at movies and... You're like, oh, what's that one about? And they're like, you haven't seen this movie? Okay, we're watching this one now. All oh, the like, Star I, Wars movies. I feel like that's a Back movie Back to for the me. Future. Yeah. That is a really good one. I really should have worn my Marty McFly vest because there's also a guy wearing that vest. It's Weren't somewhere. you a sailor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we even, I, it was funny, I was talking to our friend Jonathan last night and we were even talking about like how Into the Spider-Verse is kind of like that where he was like, you know what? That's like one of my most favorite like Marvel movies. And I was like, you know what? Exactly. Like it's an animated film and I still kind of cry every time I watch it. So like, I, I, cry. I love that movie. There so. are two anime TV series that make me cry. Emma Victorian Romance, which shut up. I love it. And Erased. I cry every time. Yeah. Brittany cried, though, too, when she finally watched Erased. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, spoil yes. where I cried, but it was yes. an emotional scene. It's a great yeah. scene. It's a great but scene. But you have to watch the whole series for it to build up to it. But, but I, I yeah. love these type of movies because it's like you want to talk about them and then mm-hmm. you want to introduce them to new people. It's like you even said, Ryan, you had friends that were like, I wish I could wipe my memory and just rewatch this again yeah. for the first time. Mm-hmm. So 
Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating anyone? I did. Um, and I have a hard time with this word. Um, but I rated it D for dogs, defibrillators, and defibrillators. The dogs, defibrillators, mm-hmm. and duplicity. Oh, I like that. Thank you. That's really good. Thank you. Um, I had rated C for chest cavities and chest wizards. Oh, nice. I like that. Nice. Those are my two favorite parts is the chest cavity scene and the chest wizard, you cheating bitch. It's good. And that's like so like not okay to say, but it's funny. Like he's not supposed to be like an amazingly good person. Yeah. He's just annoyed with the chest wizard. Did you have one, Ryan? Rated T, the thing that takes the things tonight. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, which one do we like the best? They're all good for different reasons. Mm. I always have a hard time with this part because I'm like, I like mine, but I like yours, but I like yours too. So uh, we should make Ryan choose because yeah. he's the guest. Ryan's like, please God, no. <laughs> choose. You must choose the wheel of time. <laughs> The world chooses for me. Oh. <laughs> do, you, do you want some, a, a coin? I call Tails because Tails my favorite character in we're Sonic. Gonna, we're going to toss a coin. Wait, who's heads, who's tail? you, I'm Tails. Tails. Yep. Britt's Tails. 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 Yay! It's Britt's. We should just toss a coin more often. Yes. <laughs> we're always like, I like yours. I like yours. I'm a big fan of leaving your choices to fate. Yes. yes. Oh, so next week's movie. Yes. and um, I'm we, very excited. We kind of had a little bit of complications because we're like, is this our my movie? Your movie? Ryan's movie? What, who Who's turning yeah, it? Yeah, we didn't know, but we're starting fresh. Britt's, Britt's choosing next week's movie. I am choosing next week's movie, and um, it is actually on our, we wanted to see this last year, and we didn't get to see it, but we're going to see it next week. It is Pig. Yay. On Hulu. It's on Hulu. It is on Hulu. It's Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. I've heard this is a more Mandy Nicolas Cage performance and less of all the Netflix movies he does for IRS money um, because he owes a lot of back taxes. But we love Nick Cage when he's good. I've seen Mandy, and I think this is like Mandy but with a pig instead of your girlfriend because basically he is a truffle hunter mm-hmm. who has a truffle pig and someone the pig disappears and he's on a hunt for his pig. So it's also kind of like taken but with a pig. But yes. then they said it's not really like I was reading a non-spoiler review and I didn't read a lot of it but the basic gist of it where there's like but there's a lot of things about masculinity in it and yeah. what it means to be masculine and I'm like okay interesting so it's taken mm-hmm. but more psychological. And Alex Wolf from Hereditary is a uh, supporting character, and I believe he's like the son of a restaurateur, restaurateur who like wants the truffles. Like, so I think they interact together. I'm always gonna make a prediction. If the pig is killed, I'm gonna be so mad. But with that, guys, <laughs> I guess we should start slowly wrapping up. Yes. Quickly, we'll quickly wrap up. No, we're good. I'm I'm elderly and have to be up. Me too. So, (laughs) me too. But thank you for thank you for coming on, Ryan. Yes, thank you so much, Ryan. We love having you on. Please come back every season. So, Ryan will be like actually recording with us weekly. We're changing our recording day so he can actually join us. So, 
you might hear him. So we thought this would be a good way so you're not like, who the hell is that? Yeah. Have a little tag along. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. I like it. You know, so we, it, we're excited. Uh, welcome to season three. We're starting season three with over 300 followers on Instagram. Yay. Over 30. I thought it was just 3,000 downloads. We made like 3,500 downloads oh, yay. already which we don't have any advertising so that's really cool guys yeah. um and people have already really listened to december's hard y'all came at december's episodes like hard so thank you that's awesome word of mouth word Spread of that word please yes uh like subscribe share um and we will try to do like if we do we do want to do another live stream i don't know if we're going to do a watch live stream every month but like maybe we'll try to do something monthly where it's just like maybe like these are the movies we saw or do something on tiktok or something because i do think it's really fun to do that um but we'll try to do it again maybe not on a weeknight we're trying to figure out what a better time is you let us know what's a better time would you rather watch it like we could maybe do late on sunday or is Tuesday night good? Is Friday night good? Well, not Friday nights because of our work schedules. But, like, just let us know. What would you guys rather do? Um, but we appreciate you guys being here. Thanks for letting us take a couple weeks off. We hope you had a safe holiday. We hope you got boosted and are washing your hands and taking your vitamins. I got double boosted this uh, Christmas. I got flu shot and my Moderna third shot. It was... It was a very, I had a quiet Christmas because we had people get COVID in my family. So we didn't really get to do our Christmas like normal. So we're doing it this week. But yeah, get boosted and be safe and wash your hands and wear your mask. And don't let Omicron get you. Yes. Or anyone else. If go, you can... go to church where the Omicron will get you. I'm go to church kidding. where the Omicron. <laughs> I don't think anyone who's outside Alabama knows that. Yeah, sorry guys. So we have a but sign here in Alabama and it's an actual sign that says go to church where the devil will get you. So... And it has a little devil on it. It's actually freaking adorable, but also really terrifying. Really, really terrifying. So yeah, sorry. I didn't mean that seriously. Hopefully anyone <laughs> who knows me knows that. So. <laughs> uh, we'll have to share a picture of that sign or something so yes. people know what it is with next week's episode post i'll try to remember to do that because yes. people will be like what the fuck are they talking what? about why would she say that <laughs> um but yeah but thank you guys thank you hey guys so um as always uh take care of yourselves take care of each other um like katie said unfortunately we are still in a pandemic sometimes we like to think we aren't but we still are. It sucks really, really bad. Um, and it's kind of becoming a new normal for us, which is sad. But just wash your hands. Um, take your vitamins. Um, this kind of year, just be weather alert. Because here in Alabama, you know, we we got 80 degree weather one day and tornadoes the next. Um, so, you know, just be conscious of that. Um, I hope you take some time for yourself today. I hope you did something nice for yourself today. Um, I know that can be very, very hard, but you deserve love. Do something special for you. Read a chapter of your favorite book or listen to a song you love. Um, we always appreciate every single one of you. Our DMs are always open. If you do want to talk about movies, if you do have movie suggestions, or if you just need someone to talk to, we're always happy. We're always here for you. Um, all our love, guys. Thank you again so much. Thank you for the likes, the comments, the subscribes. We appreciate each and every single one of you. Yes. And Ryan, before we go, any goodbyes? Anything you want to plug? Oh, yes. Uh, so you can find me at the Moody Muse on Instagram, uh, on TikTok, on Twitter. I'm not on much. And you I still, have, be on you still have a website, right? Yeah, mm, 
I'm your work, art. Work, working, working on, on art. Uh, I have a Threadless store. That's what nice. I'm talking about, the Threadless. Yeah. And so, um, we'll put that site in the links below. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it on the like, with Yeah. Um, it's cute. I actually bought a poster from Ryan like a couple years ago, and it aww. came out like super cool. Fortunately, it was a gift for someone, so I don't own it anymore, but it was really cool. And so hopefully we can get some artwork going on for the show as well. Yes, we have ideas. We have many ideas, but it's more of we just have to like figure out what we want to do. Also, like Ryan might do some artwork for weekly stuff if he wants to, if there's like a movie he wants to do. Let's get some so. merch going on. Let's get merch. Yay. Merch. That'd Y'all want awesome. some merch? merch? Some t-shirts? Some pants? <laughs> Y'all want a on a bucket hat? With I know you like them stickers. Oh, yeah, ooh, yeah. I love stickers actually. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't on your water bottle? Yeah, yeah that's oh true. God. That's yes. true. Um, but yes, but thank you for coming on. Yes. We're so happy thank that you're part of the team. Um, get used to his voice, and we don't discriminate on Grindhouse Girls, so you don't have to be a girl or a guy or whatever. We don't care. Yeah. You be you. That's all that's important, you guys. You be you, boo. You, you be, be you. Um, and thanks everyone who joined us for the live stream. We really, really appreciated it. We actually had more people than I thought were going to show up. So yeah, it it's kind of nice because people can pop in and out and say yeah. hi and say bye. It's nice. Um, but yeah, we love you guys. Yeah, we love you guys. Um, as always, we look forward to seeing you um, same time next week, same Scooby channel. Stay soupy, y'all. Bye. Bye. Good night. Good day. Good morning. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Gray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.